Welcome to Impact by Choice with your host, Andrada Anyete. Do you know about Chantel Sumis? She's a brand sorceress. She's the most amazing woman I've ever seen lately. And she's so full of life that I just needed to have her in my show and just acknowledge how she makes an impact on the world around her. Hello, Chantel. Welcome to Impact by Choice. Oh my gosh, what an intro. Thank you so much. My goodness. Well, you're incredible. And it's nothing, you know, it's nothing big, but it's just what I felt. Um, and, and, you know, you have been in the beginning of my road on LinkedIn. You've been there and you've been among the first people to inspire, inspire me, you know, and among the first that, that told me that we should create a tribe or something, you know. Um, Absolutely. But I want to ask you one, one very important question. You're so full of life, Chantel. Tell us, please, how do you manage to do that? And what, what is your daily propeller, so to say? Uh, okay, so um, people who know me really well know that I'm addicted to magic. Like I have this, this heart of a five-year-old, right? That's, you know walking into Disney World with her little Mickey Mouse ears on, asking to buy a balloon from dad, right? And it's that magic in my heart that has always been, it's always been my anchor to life to get through the hard times, to get through the difficult days or anything challenging. There's always that girl in there. And it's, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because I can be so naive to things and um, put my best interest in all of my love into people and be betrayed. And, and I really put myself out there to have that heartbreak with that heart of a five-year-old, you know, being, choosing to see the magic in the world and really try to avoid the negativity, but not ignore it, just avoid it as a choice to be happy and love life every single moment of it. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, it does. And I'm amazed because you just kind of described myself. I know. <laughs> Is it, isn't it easier to just, you know, just live in your own life, in your own yes. creative life? <laughs> and it, it's like, you know, I'm kind of, if I can, if I could ever say that I'm angry with you, I would say right now, because you just tore down a few of my future questions, you know, and one, <laughs> one of the questions was about magic because, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of visible that, that you do believe in magic. And another question was if you keep your inner child alive, oh my God, and you just answered <laughs> it, you know, so you're definitely <laughs> one step ahead of me. Um, but I totally, we're, we're totally on the same wavelength. Yeah. You know? We're riding <laughs> the same wave, but Absolutely. With, with magic, it was always that, that piece of my heart where my mom really encouraged creativity. She encouraged that creativity because she knew how therapeutic it was for herself. Mm-hmm. She would do crafts and make homemade gifts and sell them at, at little um, bazaars or craft fairs. And she'd bring me along because it was just kind of what we did together as mom and daughter. And it was this sense of magic doing making something from nothing and people actually liking it you know I I never really had confidence I was never really secure in who I was 
So having people really like what I did was just magic on its own. And that really got me through the, the difficult times. You know, I was, I was a, a little girl. I wasn't even in my teens yet when I went through my first really big experience with trauma. And I was sexually assaulted in public and in a public shopping center. And um, it was that like make or break. Do I, I was with my parents, but they were gone. You know, I had just gone to go to the bathroom and it was, do I tell them and break her heart because she's going to feel like she's responsible for all of this? Or do I just go through life, set it aside, compartmentalize it and move forward? And that's what I did. And I had to really use, you know, watching movies and pretending I'm a princess and living with all of this magic in my heart just to get through it, just to see that there is a beautiful side of life. And thinking back on it, it's not that it was a, it was, I mean, it was bad. There's a lot of kids who don't make it through that mentally stable. And it did kill me inside. I was a mess. I was super depressed. I had um, a lot of anxiety, social anxiety, because I felt like I couldn't be me without drawing that unwanted attention. I couldn't smile. I was too bubbly. I was too happy. It was people just want to suck the sunshine right out of you. So I shut down and I shelled up. But at home, I was still that little magical, my magic zen. You know what I mean? And you do that just not to affect your mom and your family, right? You know, it, everything I do is for everybody else. And I think that's a lot to do with being a woman, you know, human nature as well, is that we're always putting everyone else before us, whether it's our children or our parents, our brothers or sisters, our grandparents. It's just when you know about that love in your heart and you know how much things affect you, you know that it affects the people that love you twice as much. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. That's true. And as, as a woman and a mother, I can tell you that that's definitely, definitely legit. But, but still, you know, it's like, um, didn't that, you just said that that tore you up on the inside. But on the other hand, you had that strength. How did you find that strength to, to not tell your mom for, for, I presume that for a lot of years, right? Does she know now? Is, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. She, so, so it was really challenging. I first wouldn't leave my room and my parents got me involved. They saw me shell myself up from the world and they, they're smart. You know, parents have an intuition. They know what's going on with their kids' lives, even if they don't talk about it. So they knew something was going on and they didn't push it. They um, got me involved in a lot of activities to get me out of the house, whether it was dance class acting, voice lessons for singing. They always had me in something so that they could get me out of my room as much as possible. Um, but being in social settings, I still would shut myself off. So, you know, at school, I became a bully because I didn't want to be bullied. I didn't want to be attacked because I felt how it was to be attacked. And I mean, I wasn't a bully, like really, really hurting people, but I was a tough kid. And People went to me when they needed something handled, you know? I was like like the Robert De Niro <laughs> a, a girl version, you know? Um, so it, it was, it was that, that element of, of family where you can 
understand what somebody's going through just by being around them and feeling their energy. And my energy was not a good, it was not good at all. And in fact, it didn't really shift. Um, I had, it was a really challenging middle school, especially because of acne and braces and just being different. People looked at me funny. Um, people picked on me, called me Clearasol because that's a brand name for acne medicine. It's great stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it was a challenging, very challenging time. And, you know, just like high school wasn't much easier because I was slow. I was slow thinking because I had so much going on inside of me. I think that has a lot to attribute to the fact that I wasn't very smart as my teachers would call me especially when I would have emotional outbursts or something of that nature that would make me look insane, but I couldn't control it. So it wasn't until meeting my husband, who's amazing. We met, gosh, eight years ago at a bar. <laughs> it's not very romantic, but um, he really fixed me. He really like introduced me to the fact that you shouldn't care about what people think of you first and foremost. You shouldn't pretend to be anything you're not because it's their problem, not yours with the way that they treat you. You're not wrong for being who you are. And just saying, screw them, screw all of the bad people out there and the judgment and the negativity, be who you are because you're awesome, you know? So that was like the massive change in my life where I finally started to say, okay, I can be who I am. I can accept the flaws. I can except the fact that I'm not perfect. I'm not that going to be that image of people that people probably want to see in me. I am who I am and that's life. And you're an extraordinary woman who unfortunately had to put on, you know, a shell for uh, protecting her own uh, feelings, right? Because in the end, that's why we put out this shell, this mask that we wear every day just to protect protect ourselves from from the judgment of others right mm -hmm. um but i'm i'm so happy that you met your husband and everything just shifted you know in your vision because i'm on that path you know that learning um of not actually caring too much of what people think about myself and i see all the benefits that i get from that i mean first of all you feel free right you feel like whenever you can be yourself it's like nothing else matters, right? Because, because you can take your own actions and just follow your dreams and just go for whatever you want to go without, you know, without regarding the, the judgment and the criticism. And most time, you know, there's people who love us that, that criticize us the, mo the most and that hurts big time. But when, when we can get over that, then we definitely become free. Right. Um, but you see, you keep on tearing down my questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy to see that you feel so well, you know, and that you, you open up um, to me and, and my listeners. Um, let's, let's change the topic a bit. Um, well, not, not necessarily, but keep it in, in the magic area and in the creativity area. Um, But first of all, I want to tell you that I think your parents had the greatest approach ever in regard to your shutting down uh, with not, not pushing it because most parents tend to push when they see their kids hide something from them. Um, 
And I think that as a parent, I can tell from, you know, from experience that I'm trying my best to find out why my kids are hiding anything from me so that I can help. But in the end, I think that we, it, it boils down to, to that thing that we speak about when it comes to adults, right? There's adults that just want to speak maybe at some point or maybe not. Uh, they're not looking for advice. They're just looking for support. And I think that this should be also an approach like the one that your, your parents provided, you know, to, to just be there and just do, do it differently like they did for you, you know, to just put you in social activities. Um, and I think that in the end, that that was one of the things that helped you the most, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely that that as a parent now that I have a little boy, I know that it's not good to be pushy. It's not good to always be involved, but be involved in the respect of, keeping them active, keeping them distracted, keeping their mind going and learning and growing in order for it to not focus on the negativity in the world because negativity is inevitable. That's a great lesson that you provided me with today, seriously, because I can, I can call myself a bit guilty that I'm trying to, to always understand what's going on with my girls. Of course, I'm, I'm trying, you know, in, in a soft manner to just discuss with them. Um, I'm still learning how to approach their feelings and, you know, how, how to help them expose their feelings. Uh, one is five and one is six. So it's like, you know, still a bit difficult. Um, but I want to be there for them because I didn't have, you know, this, this moral support that I needed. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to make up for something that I didn't have, which is wrong from a parental point of view. Right. So it's like, thank you for, for, you know, telling me this because I'm going to work on that as well. (laughs) Um, Listen, tell me a bit, tell us a bit as a creative mind, right. And you have a four year old boy. Yes. Yeah. How, how, What's your manner in which you're trying to, to boost your, your kid's imagination, so to say? Uh, because imagination and creativity and magic, right? That's such right. a very, very dear to me word. Magic is very important for kids. But in the same time, I think that we should rather go like with kind of a realistic magic, so to say. Because yeah. at some point they will hit reality and they need to to learn from my point of view from early ages to make, um, uh, to, to discern between, you know, that beneficial magic and that destructive magic that is put out in the media and so on. So how, how do you um, instill that magic in your child? How do you encourage it? So oh my gosh. <laughs> Great question. So my mom is the goddess of creativity. I am not joking one bit or over, over-exaggerating. She seriously has a way of taking anything and making it magical. She's just brilliant. Um, so what we love to do is we tell stories every single night, a bedtime story, and it's usually something that continues. It's not a book, okay? We'll, we'll read books. But this is an imagination story. So we'll talk about 
we'll make up a story about being in a wood, the wood that's actually Candyland, and the trees are made out of candy canes and gummy bears, and you know we're walking down a path, and the path is made out of chocolate bricks. And once we get to the end of the path, there's a massive gingerbread house. It's so big; it's a castle, you know. And then we go up to the door, we knock on the door, and we open it up, and then. <gasps> <laughs> gotta wait till tomorrow buddy you know oh my god i can't believe it come on i thought you you will be continuing so it's awesome. <laughs> no but um yeah really, my inner child needs the rest I know. <laughs> it really encourages him to think about that think about oh what's on the other side of the door what else is inside that could be made of candy is there a person there are they young are they old you know and it can also give him really good dreams because he's, his imagination is already going. So he's already thinking about what we talked about and what's going to happen next. So that's one way that we encourage creativity. We also love to build boards and play pretend. Pretend is amazing because we can problem solve while playing pretend. And I'm not saying that I know what I'm doing by any means because this parenthood was first a surprise for me, the best surprise ever, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if anybody really knows if they're doing it right, right? So, <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I saw somewhere, uh, I saw somewhere this this thing that ch the children don't come with an instructions manual. So it's so true, for God's sake. So it's Ow, natural not. <laughs> so it's natural for you not to know what you're you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing most days with my kids. You know. And by asking you this, I'm actually, you know, trying to learn something new. Um, because, for instance, last evening I was trying to, to build such a story with my kid. But, of course, I didn't keep the suspense, you know, and I want to learn how to do that. But in the same time, I was trying to involve my child in it. Yeah. Uh, as in, you know, if we see something, we see a butterfly. What's the color of the butterfly? Or, you know, something like that so that the child feels involved. Yeah. So that was one of my other questions. If uh, how do you in actually involve your child in that? Yeah. So I'll ask him. You know, what was it that we saw on the other side of the door when we start the start the um, the the story? You know, or or what colors, or you know, anything like what what flavor was the gummy bear hanging from the branch on the tree? Mm, He's different. It's, it's good because it's, it's decision-making, right? And it's also exactly. creativity, which it, it's amazing. And it's so cool to see that his, his beautiful little brain and how their little brains work and how creative they are. It, it's contagious. And that's what makes me creative, you know? It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful gift. Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely. And, and children say such a story, you know, tell stories in such a manner that it just blows our mind. And it's like, I'm sure that, for instance, <laughs> when, when he answers, what's the taste of the gummy bear? You're just like, okay, I don't, I don't think that I had ever tasted that, you know? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, they just keep on shutting, shutting us down <laughs> with their answers, for sure. Um, speaking of magic and, you know, remaining in, in the same area for a bit, I told you that I, I like this topic very much. <laughs> um, I, I just recall that I saw recently a video of yours 
in which you wrote a letter to the warriors. Now, that's what I want to, to be kind of transcendence to some other topics in, in today's uh, episode. But I want to ask you first of all, what triggered that series? It was absolutely fabulous, fabulous. So listeners out there, if, if there's anyone that hasn't seen Chantel's video with the letter for warriors, I truly recommend it wholeheartedly because it's absolutely amazing, heartwarming, and her voice is so soothing and nice. So <laughs> it you. makes a, a great, a great voiceover oh. as well. So it's, it's amazing. Um, so what was the trigger for, for that video and what's coming next? Because you said that it's a series, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is, this is probably what means most to me right now. And it's my biggest passion to advocate for people with hidden illness and disability. So <clears throat> right when I got pregnant when, with my son, I got really sick and I um, didn't know what it was. You know, when you're going through a pregnancy, there's nothing you can do. You can't get tests and treatments and stuff because it's yeah. could be harmful. So um, we just blamed everything on pregnancy. And then I had my son and we were really tough for money, really difficult. It was March and my, my husband was out of work because he's a brick mason or was a brick mason at the time. Now he's a federal officer. But before he was a brick mason and in Wisconsin, our winters here are really harsh. They're brutal. So you could only work certain months out of the year. And unfortunately, it was still too cold. So we were coming out of this area of him being unemployed and not having any money. And I had a newborn. So I went back to work three weeks after having my child so that my, my husband could stay home and watch the child because he was laid off. And I was working two jobs. I was working full-time at an office as a marketing coordinator. And then every single night as a bridal consultant to add money, you know, to, to feed the family because we wow. were. Now, it, now you see why, why I'm calling you such a powerful woman. Yeah. <laughs> sorry for the interruption. <laughs> right. No, it's like you, you have to take control of your life, right? You can't just sit there and complain about how shitty it is. You have to, excuse me, language. You have to really make those changes for yourself. And we had, that was the change I was going to make. I was prepared to, to give a, a good life for my family. And that's just who I am. So, but, but it was also so stressful and it started to eat away at my body. And the stress was absolutely horrible. I was searching for jobs that would pay me my worth versus minimum wage, working two jobs so that I could work one job and be okay. And I found a job. So I put in my two weeks, my four weeks notice at my career and in order to find a replacement and train them and come up with a, an excellent transition program. And two weeks into the four weeks notice, I had received notification that the job I had accepted completely fell through. Their um, contract with their equity firm for the new location completely fell flat. There was a massive snag and they weren't able to build the location which means they put the whole, the position on hold indefinitely until they could figure out what was next. Wow. So I was back to the drawing board and I was like, well, do I like resend my resignation? No, I'm not going to do that. That's just weird. So, um, I, I started from scratch, but the stress seriously ate away at me. I couldn't see, I lost my vision. It got blurry and blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. And this eye, and then this eye started to go where I would get lost on my walks, on my lunch walks. It was really, really, really bizarre. 
Um, and I didn't have health insurance because I was in between jobs. And come to find out after months of being sick, of having vision loss, my inability to really move my legs effectively, I would drag my right leg along and it was just silly. Um, even my hearing started to go. I found out that it was multiple sclerosis. And what multiple sclerosis is, is it's technically, it's a, it's a, the best way somebody described it to me was it's um, incurable cancer of the nervous system. So um, it's, it's progressive. You can get certain forms and it usually will worsen as your life extends. Um, but it's basically brain damage and nerve damage throughout your spine, which can cause blindness, hearing loss. Um, sometimes people go paralyzed, right? They lose the ability to walk or use their legs. And for me, thankfully, I had relapsing remitting, which meant that my condition remit, which means I went into remission and um, was able to gain my legs back and other issues. But when I was going through all of this, I still had to apply for jobs. And I had to apply for jobs with this new disability. I had to check this box that said, I have a disability because I couldn't see. I couldn't really walk well and I needed help. I needed assistance and an environment where I could thrive. So I had applied for over a hundred jobs and I'd called companies and checked in on my resume and nobody wanted to hear from me. Nobody wanted me because I had that box that I had to check that people thought, oh, she's disabled. She's needs, she's too needy. She's got limitations, mm -hmm. yada, yada. Um, and I realized how disgusting that was until I found an employer that actually understood MS. Um, he understood disability because he has a, a grown child with autism that he takes care of full time still. And he's in his sixties. Um, and he understands flexibility and he saw something in me that nobody else saw because I was in there actually chatting before I had my condition. It was a long conversation coming, but I digress. Anyways, he gave me that chance. And since starting there, you know, I've doubled, I've increased their, their business by a hundred percent. I had doubled their leads. I transformed their brand. I updated their website. I've done everything in my power to shine and that company seeing all the benefits. So going from that and having that, that chance, somebody took a chance on me, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I want for the rest of the community. Because when I was desperate for help, I asked my community of warriors with MS and chronic illness. And I said, what do you do? When do you give up on your job search? And most of the people there said, just give up. Nobody's going to want you apply for social security benefits right now so that you can get, get it in three years, because that's how long it takes to apply. Cool. And isn't that disgusting that somebody would tell you to just give up, especially when you're 25? No, I'm yeah. not going to give up. So You're yeah. just the start of your life. How can you give up? Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. I, and that's, I think, a lot of the, 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 that's the problem in the differently abled community is that these people are amazing people. They're, they're warriors, they're fighters, and they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel heard because it's a taboo subject to talk about. You know, telling people that I can't see out of this eye, people aren't going to trust me to do their branding, to design collateral, to write because I might not be able to see that well. Mm -hmm. But little do they know that that gives me so much more 
reliability on my senses. So typing is, I'm an excellent typist. I can type without errors. I can see a lot more attention to detail because I have that appreciation and that gratitude where I'm really zoned in to be extra cautious. So I don't know. That's why I started my series to talk about, to give a voice to this differently abled community. And the first one I gave was a written letter to people with working with disability because you should be able to work. You shouldn't get turned down just because you need a little bit more accommodations. It's just silly, right? So then the other two letters that I have coming down the way to highlight perspectives are the caregivers, right? So my husband was my caregiver and he worked full time and came home to me. He used his paid time off hours to take me to the hospital, to take me to emergency visits and and scans and run to get prescriptions filled for me. And there are people who do that all over the world working full time that have those, those challenges to face. And then there are also the, the third one is to the professional, the leader who is looking to make their environment and their workforce thrive. And they have to have flexibility to do that in order to really make accommodations for these beautiful people who have different conditions and different needs. (laughs) So that's the series that I'm focused on. It's, it's letters to keep, which are three different letters for three different perspectives to highlight the, that hidden voice of the differently abled community. Right, right. Would you give us an insight on, on the leader's perspective? I mean, we, we say that leaders are the ones that accept and, and learn from the others, right? Not the ones that actually just believe that they're the most powerful and, and they know it all, right? Those are the actual leaders. The others, let's say they're managers, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but leaders, so this will be from a, a leader's perspective. What do you think that, that the core aspect of a great leader should be let's not just you know give away the surprise for the letter but give us this this aspect that you believe that should be the core value so to say of a great leader so especially sorry especially uh linked to to the matter that you mentioned right so regarding people with disabilities yes so um with the biggest issue that we have here is that people aren't talking about it because they don't feel comfortable talking about it. And hidden illness is something that you have to talk about in order to really know it's there, right? And understand the struggle. There's people living with chronic pain that ache and and hurt so much, especially when the weather changes that their pain is uncontrollable and unpredictable, but they don't talk about it, right? But if they did talk about it, they could figure out different plans that work for them, maybe working remote, from their home office on those days when they're in that much pain, you know? Um, And the way to overcome this and be the strongest leader possible to really help this community thrive and be engaged and encouraged, um, I believe is one, listening. In order to be a good leader, you need to be the best listener possible. That's listening more than you speak. I can't tell you how many people in executive roles I meet that just wanna talk about themselves that love to hear themselves talk. They don't listen at all. 
even when I work with clients that are up there, I mean, you can tell that their team isn't going to be thriving. And I don't know if that's a, a conceited, self-centered personality there, you know, but with, if you want to be, if you seriously, truly want to be that effective leader, you need to take that role and be the listener. Listen first. Listen more than you speak all the time. And that will encourage conversation. Also, really encouraging people, these leaders understand the HR perspective and the HR role because a lot of the lack of encouragement and communication comes from not knowing if it's right legally to ask and to talk about these things. But there are so many ways that you can encourage conversations and a very accepting, supportive community just by keeping your door open, providing that extra needed moment if somebody needs to talk about something challenging going on. There are a lot of different ways that leaders can do that, but listening is definitely the most important. Let me ask you in regards to the HR perspective, do you think that leaders are afraid because uh, they think that they might be sued for in intrusion or something like yeah. that? So yeah. that's, that's actually the, the aspect that you're referring to? Yes, absolutely. So it's important that HR departments are educating their leadership appropriately to make sure that they know how to act, what's right, what's wrong, what you can ask, what you cannot ask, but also tips and tricks on how to lead the discussions and the conversations so that you're creating this nurturing environment where people can talk about these things so that they can thrive. Right. That's, that's right. Communication is definitely key for, for any kind of business to thrive. That's so true. Um, and, and talking about, about com communication, I know that this is a very dear field to you, right? Because you're encouraging everyone to just come out there and voice their mind without being afraid. Um, if you see someone that, that it's, it's pretty shy and really insecure, because in the end, it, it goes down to insecurity, right, of the people, what would be your first and most important advice to such a person to, to start talking about it? So I've had so many amazing conversations over the last year with new connections on LinkedIn because that's my, that's my platform, right? That's where I kill it. Mine too. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like family there. So yeah. I know. I'm not killing it like you do, but. <laughs> oh, stop. It's, it's this beautiful, supportive community because yeah. people are there to learn and to grow. And I've had so many conversations with people who you never think have, have chronic illness. But once they find out that I do and I break that barrier down, they open right up and they want to talk about it. But they don't want to talk about it too much because mm -hmm. they feel like it's a weakness. And I tell them first and foremost that these battles that they fight every single day, I mean, it's that, that letter that I wrote to the warrior, the working warrior. It's a superpower. These people, is it fair? No, but what is fair in life? You know, that's, that's a really good question to ask. But this is a gift. No matter how crappy it is and how much pain you're in and everything that you have to deal with, taking advantage of it and using it as an opportunity versus a struggle makes things so much easier. It makes the world so much more beautiful when you approach it with gratitude and grace versus anger and disappointment. You can do that. There's so many people who live with anger and disappointment 
um, because of their physical or, or mental condition. And that's one thing. But flipping it on its side and realizing that you're a badass, you get through the day every single day with everything that you're going through, and that's impressive. People that are healthy and don't have these issues, they have struggles too, and you're getting through it. They're not even dealing with this stuff and they're having struggles. So imagine what else you can do. It's beautiful. It's remarkable. You should never be ashamed of what you're going through because it builds you up as, a, as the beautiful, unique character that you are. And the world can learn from you. They can learn from your struggles and your condition. They can learn from everything in your story because there's only one person in the entire universe with your exact story. And that makes you pretty darn special. That's true. And okay, I'm I'm not gonna comment anything else, but um again, you you tore down another question of mine. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still gonna address it. And that question is um well your your last answer is pretty self-explanatory, but if you see someone who's very, very, very negative, right, is going through so much pain or who knows, maybe they, they don't even know that they have hidden frustrations based on previous experience and stuff like that. How do you make them see the magic in the world? Uh, that's a good question. A lot of times it's, it's hard for me because I have seen that myself and it's, you have to ask yourself, you know, first and foremost, what does this person mean to you? Is this somebody that is worth pouring your heart out and feeling their pain? Because with empathy, you're, if you open your heart up to help, you're going to feel all of that pain that they're feeling. They're going to feel all of that negativity that they have in their heart and that they're working through. So if it's somebody who is, if it's a complete stranger, it might not make sense because they're not going to tear down their barriers and work with you or talk with you. But if they're a friend, if they're a family member, just be open, be that, take that leadership role and listen, ask, Hey, what's going on? You know, I, you seem a little different today. Is that something wrong? Is there something you want to talk, talk about? You know, what's going on in, in your world? Talk to me, just lay it all out there. No judgment, making sure that there's an, a judgment free zone and making sure that you always listen more than you talk because Sometimes when people, I hate repeating this, but when people ask you how you're feeling and ask you to open up and then they end up talking more about themselves, it's like, why am I even talking to you? You know what I mean? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, kind of made me, made me think. Um, <laughs> but um, keeping it in on the, on the level of communication, how how do you plant that seed of effective communication into your child? How are you trying to instill that confidence that he can talk to you about anything and that she, uh, he should openly, you know, talk to anyone in order to build a strong report and trust? That's a good question because I think I'm still getting through that. We're working through the phase of, um, managing emotions and talking through the emotions so that we don't have these outbreaks. We don't punch walls. We don't scream and cry and kick. We talk about it. We say, that was not cool. I am not happy, you know, instead of freaking out. But using those words to really verbalize our emotions, help us communicate, help everybody to understand what's going on inside of you. It's no different in adults that 
don't really know how to communicate. They just bottle it all up and they don't even let out their emotions, but they're feeling them. Whether they like it or not, they're feeling those emotions. So talking about them, talking through it and making it more aware to people in your area, just like a four-year-old would do instead of screaming and crying. It's important. It's, it's so, it's such a fulfilling feeling knowing that people around you understand you and care about you. You're right. Um, you're right. I lost my question. I had a question. <laughs> no worries. For God's sake. Um, but <laughs> you, you mentioned empathy and you said that until you had your child, you had nothing to do with empathy. How did your, your, um, your, your pregnancy change that? I mean, what shifted? What was that click that made you see the world from a different perspective? Yeah. So like I said, I was so shut off. I was so bottled up because of my past, you know, anytime I would let go of my, let my guard down, let my walls down. I was so hurt, you know, gosh, I was in like horrible relationships. I was engaged when I was 19 to a boy I went to high school with and he was in the military. So it was long distance and it was so romantic. And, uh, but he was seeing like, 10 other women and he had another fiance in Texas. Mm, nice. <laughs> I later became best friends with. So it was totally okay. <laughs> now hindsight, right? Uh, and then I went to met my beautiful perfect husband and had this amazing little dude, right? So uh, it was it was really hard. It was it was like one thing after another after another that teaches you not to be naive. Gosh, so when it comes to empathy, it's something that I think I muffled along with all of the other challenges that I had and all the other emotions and that pain that I had. Because if you muffle empathy and you try not to really observe and understand other people's emotions, you're obviously not observing and understanding your own. So it's a very interceptive piece of the puzzle. And when I had my son, I had that like mother, motherly intuition kick in where I was just then uh, like, okay, now I have to understand why is this kid crying? What is this? What are tears, you know? <laughs> so figuring out the needs behind it. And um, it was beautiful. It was the most beautiful gift because I couldn't relate to people. Even my best friend, she'll tell you that I was a monster in middle school and high school because I didn't get emotions. I didn't. And I, I didn't understand them and I didn't get them. I was just a, a tough cookie. Sorry if my, that's my... That's my dog. <laughs> I can hear that. He's singing. Um, but yeah, I think that answers your empathy question, all distractions aside. No, that's okay. I think that, that's what makes, um, you know, our, our interaction even more human, if I can say that. So don't worry about it. Changing a bit, you know, the course of the feelings, but still remaining in, in the feelings side. When you feel like bursting out with anger, regardless of the situation, but mostly on a personal level, you know, in family with parents, your child, your husband, how do you manage to, to temper yourself and, you know, just calm down and not react in such a manner that could hurt them? I know that you mentioned that you care very much about the feelings of others, but still as you as we're humans, I'm sure that we have that boiling point so to say right when you feel like like you know um everything is just 
it's just against you and you need to let that anger out. How do you do to just actually temper it and not let it show to your child, especially? Oh my goodness. I think so when I was compartmentalizing all of my emotions through my teens and my adulthood, anger was the only emotion I knew. It was the only emotion that I could use for certain things like swimming. When I was a swimmer, I would use anger like as a competitive, I'm going to beat these people, you know, the competitive drive. Um, when I couldn't figure out my learning, I used anger to get upset with the teacher, to get upset with the class, to get upset with the curriculum. It was always anger that I, I knew too well. So when I figured out the rest of the emotions and how they really react, and I became more of a crier. <laughs> so instead of being angry and screaming, um, it's, it's so much more I don't know, release, like a, it's not as serious of a release to, to just get sad and to cry if needed. But what I really try to just focus on is, is logic. I know it's hard to put the, to, to just acknowledge the emotions, acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the fact that whatever the situation is that's getting me upset is real and it shouldn't be avoided. But noticing that crying, screaming, getting angry about it isn't going to help one bit. So thinking through it. What can I do next to overcome this? What can I do to deal with this in an effective manager, manage, an effective, whatever, an effective way. What can I do to take this challenge and make it an opportunity? That's interesting. And another great lesson that you gave me today. Uh, <laughs> about, you know, I'm, I'm called kind of pretty volcanic myself. Um, and I help it. It's like there's several people that push my buttons in such a way that I can't help it. So that's actually the situation that I'm looking into solving, you know, by, by asking you this question. Um, and I think that you, you gave me a pretty fair answer and, of course, legit, very legit. So <laughs> uh, thank you for, for the second lesson of, of this interview again. Thank you. Um, let, let's change the topic a bit into something else that I love very much and I used a lot in one of my written interview series, which is diversity. And I would love you to tell us how do you see diversity and how, should, how do you think that we should approach it and why, most importantly, why? Because I've heard you saying that we're, you know, sisters and brothers at the end of the day, I just heard mm -hmm. you another podcast. Um, so just explain to us a bit this, this concept of diversity in your eyes through your lenses. Absolutely. So the, the why, I'll start with the why. So the why is diversity so important? It's beautiful. It's the magic that's in the world that I love to talk about, right? When you have people from all different, different areas and all different backgrounds with all these different beautiful stories, rich and in differences, which is the beauty of it, you get this amazing, amazing, I don't know, world of creativity and innovation. Diversity is the ground of innovation. If you don't have different thoughts and different thought leaders and, and different mindsets working around a project, you're not going to get anywhere. It's not going to be as magic filled as, you know, just a bunch of 
you know, five people with the same story are talking around the table. There's nothing different there. There's nothing exciting. There's no flavor. There's no sparkle of any in any story, right? So when it comes to uh, diversity, not just the different opinions, not just the different perspectives and backgrounds that are really important, but especially in the differently abled community, there's so much gratitude and perseverance and that adversity empowers people. It empower, it should really empower the warrior first and foremost for dealing with these things, but in their own mind, that's just their life. That's just life to them. It's nothing special. It's nothing in, inspiring. It's just life. So having conversations with people, again, using that communication to really open up that flexible, nurturing, supportive work environment will really encourage diversity as well across all planes, not just the differently equaled community. Then why do, do we aim to be all the same? Why, why do you think that people just crave for fitting in and, you know, just uh, pertain, so to say, to, um, I don't know, to the cool kids, how I like to call them? Fears. Oh my gosh, fears. You know, growing up, when I was picked on for having acne, I was so jealous of the, the pretty girls. I was so jealous of the popular girls that were confident and talked, you know? So I'd close up and I was scared of being different. I was scared to stand out. And it took really embracing the baloney in my life, really embracing the BS that's uncontrollable because it's making those challenges an opportunity again. It's finding the, the beauty in that, the ugly, ugly situation, the ugly scenario. So I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's really fear-based is what makes everybody want to conform. The fear of judgment, the fear of being an outcast, the fear of not being liked, because we all do have that desire to be loved and appreciated and find our fit, find our tribe. Hmm. And I think that, right, this is, it's, 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 um, never been more cool to be a misfit than it is right now. You oh know, my God, you're so right. Right. This, yeah. People are actually getting it. You know, Instagram is going to disintegrate because it's all based on fake beauty staged pictures that are not real. It's not real. Why are we following this? Why are we letting this encourage us when it's all baloney? You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm so happy that it, to see that you've actually embraced your uniqueness. I, I've been a weirdo my whole life. Um, <laughs> but only, I think, a year and so ago, I realized that being a weirdo is actually a blessing. So if you were to tell those people in high school right now, which are definitely looking to, you know, just roll with the punches and be with the cool kids, what would you tell them in order to inspire them and make an impact on them um, so that they just let themselves be who they are, not just follow the masses and follow some, some you know, shallow glamour that maybe it's not even real. Most of the cases, I think, most of the times. You know, what's just crazy. It blows my mind. So it's been 10 years since I graduated, right? I have been keeping in touch or following in my Facebook community people that I went to high school with and all of those beautiful people who were the athletes, who were so smart, who were loved and all the boys just drooled over. They're the saddest ones. 
they share stories about how broken they were inside about these horrible stories of, of, you know, something super embarrassing that happened to them in public and it stuck with them and they wanted to die and they had depression and anxiety issues just like the rest of us, but they didn't talk about it. They just conformed. They let those fears control them. And it's so unfortunate because had we talked about it, had we been communicating all of these things, I know we would have been friends. I know there wouldn't have been something to hold us apart into our misfit communities or the popular crowd, you know? We're all the same. We all have those those scars inside, no matter how invisible they are. So I would just tell those my my younger self that they're broken too. They're just as broken as you. So reach out, don't judge, don't don't hold them away from you at any cost because what's the worst that's going to happen? They might say something negative. They might hurt you just a little bit emotionally, but it's nothing to damage you permanently. That's beautiful. Um, let me let me wrap up. I think that's a very interesting um, message and very important for for uh, students to understand these days. And I do hope that bullying will will just cease at some point. Um, but wrapping wrapping this up, I would like to ask you. Um, I don't know. I will be candid. I have no idea if you ever had a TEDx talk so far. Did you? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> nope. Uh, so if you know if, okay, when you step up on a TEDx talk, what would be the first subject that would come to your mind, you know, knowing that the concept behind it is a message worth spreading, right? So what do you think that from your life experience would be the most impactful story that you could tell in order to empower people to, you know, just, just see this world through a different lens, through a different lens and believe in magic and believe that we are all beautiful, but we just need to find that beauty somewhere. So what would you speak about on a TEDx? <laughs> so let me rephrase that. Yes. <laughs> what will you speak about on a TEDx stage when that happens? I can't wait to speak on a TEDx stage. I know it's going to happen soon. I'm trying so hard to get those those connections at those different locations, but I would love to talk more about exactly what we've been discussing here, and that's the hidden the hidden scars. That's the fact that we are all broken inside, no matter how much we try to fake it, you know, it's dealing with that, that really makes us empowered, but it doesn't make us less broken. We're always going to be the same person. It's how we deal with that and control it. So I've always wanted to have a TEDx talk where I go on stage and I have everybody close their eyes. Everybody in the audience just close their eyes and think, think of disability. What does disability look like? What does that person look like? Do, are they, do they have a mobility aid? Do they have a seeing aid? Do they um, look different? Do they look like they might have some form of, of Down syndrome? You know, what is it? But then having them open their eyes and seeing that I have a disability. Do I look like what they pictured? Because I am that face, you know? Everybody has hidden scars. Everybody has hidden illness. But it's how we take that and deal with it that make us so beautiful. Everybody has a limitation. 
did, wow. did I lose you? <laughs> okay, no, no, you didn't lose me. It's like um, most of the times I picture, I, I like to say that I speak in pictures and I listen in, in pictures so that I imagine everything that, you know, um, we're talking about. So I was actually imagining, you know, how I close my eyes and imagine the dis- uh, disabled person. And probably the first image that comes to most of people's minds are, you know, those signs of disabled people mm-hmm. that they need to have uh, a wheelchair or something. So I think that, that your topic will, will be um, very needed because you're right. I mean, disability is hidden deep inside for, for many of us. Your, your TEDx talk will be, will be a great talk for sure. Um, but would you, would you, is there anything that you would choose to do something else than, than an imagination exercise with the audience to make them, them think even more? So you said that they need to imagine a d- disabled person and then just look at you and you're definitely not, you know, the image of a disabled person. Right. But what else would you choose to exercise with them so that they accept, you know, the concept of disability in a different manner? Um, if I would have them search inside of their hearts for their disability. What's their weakness? What is one thing in their life that they have that's been limiting them? It's usually a fear of some sort or a, a lack of confidence in, in asking for that raise or, or, that, or searching for a new position. But everybody has a limitation. No matter if it's mental or physical, there's something there. So I think that dealing with that and digging in and finding what everybody's personal limitation or perceived parameter is, makes us more human and it makes us relate so much more on a human sister brother level because that's what we are right like, yeah i like that earlier brothers i so like this no you said it in another podcast and i just <laughs> brought it in because i loved it you know it's just um i think it's just the perfect image of how human relationships should be okay, we're not talking about those sister-brother relationships where we hate each other, right? Because we also have that. But yeah. you, I'm sure that you're talking about those relationships that we just show love and support to each other. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the most beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, based on what we've discussed so far, tell us, one of the most recent and most impactful book that you've read. Ooh, do I have and that you would like to recommend to the listeners? I do. It is the most recent and not the most impactful. I have two books. Let me, let me cheat. So um, <laughs> let me grab my books. The first one that really transformed my life when I was at rock bottom and I was looking for hope that wasn't medicine, that wasn't doctors. It was something that I could really take control of and do myself. It was this book. It's called Unfuck Yourself. <laughs> and it's by Gary John Bishop. And it's about getting out of your head and into your life. He's, he highlights the really magnificent powers of mindfulness and neuroplasticity and how we can really take control of the way our brain works because our brain controls the rest of our body. 
And then I just read this one, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. It is brilliant. It's about more of that mindfulness and, and really taking control of your brain and your thought process to be the healthiest version of yourself possible. They're both magnificent if people are really interested in taking control of their life and their health a little bit further and really discovering their superpowers because that introspection that that brings is, is magic. It's pure magic. Okay, superpower. Tell us <laughs> what's your superpower and we will wrap it up with this. Oh, my superpower. I think my superpower is that, that heart of magic, that being that five-year-old version of myself in my heart so that I can get through the bad days, I can get through the good days, and I can find the beauty and the magic and the sparkle in everything, no matter how crappy of a day it is. It's negative 25 degrees outside my, my window right now with a wind chill of negative 60 degrees Fahrenheit. It's disgusting. That's like North Pole stuff. But oh. it's beautiful. It's so silent because nobody's leaving their home. Or <laughs> just outside. It's beautiful. It's magic, right? So I think that's my superpower. Magic. And that's how we see positivity. You're you're all wrapped <laughs> in positivity and magic, Chantel. Thank you very much for, for accepting to be my guest. Uh, for taking your time, you know, from from your child and, and your <laughs> And for being such a motivation and inspiration and, again, so full of life, um, I do hope that the listeners will be inspired by your stories um, and that they will, they will try to keep that magic alive. I hope that we will, you know, keep in touch because I know that you're absolutely adorable and everything, all the work that you do and everything that you put out there is of exquisite quality. Tell us, please, about your work, about what you put out there. Um, where should anyone that wants to find you go? Yes, LinkedIn. Absolutely. So first and foremost, LinkedIn. Second of all, www.chantelsumis.com. That's where... All my information is, and um, yeah, I, I love to advocate for the differently abled and use that wisdom and knowledge to help with marketing, finding the differentiators that really make businesses and people different in the most beautiful way possible. Thank you again, Chantel. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love this discussion. Don't want it to end. It's a pleasure, and I know, I mean, I don't want this to end either, but <laughs> I know that you have your kid over there, and uh, he needs you, so <laughs> thank you again for being my guest today. Have a lovely day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>